subject and Eli Hoops, the perpetrator. For each time Margot drives E.H. home, though they have chatted companionably on the 18-mile drive, most about subjects that drift into E.H.'s mind from out of his pre-amnesiac past. E.H. has riveting stories of civil rights rallies and marches in Philadelphia and in the South, to which Margot listens fascinated. He is very entertaining, reciting the whole of the film he calls Battleship Potemkin, with an impassioned outcry of, Brothers! at a melodramatic moment. As soon as he sees where Margot has brought him, to the dignified Old English Tudor House at 466 Parkside Gladwin, he loses the thread of their conversation, first in wonderment, and then in his eagerness to get inside. Does E.H. think that it's strange he is being brought home to his aunt's house and not to Rittenhouse Square? He never speaks of this, and so Margot has to wonder if he knows, in some intuitive way, how his life has been altered. Yet E.H. is always courteous and invites Margot inside to meet his aunt Lucinda, though Margot and Mrs. Madison have been introduced to each other numerous times. Hello, my dear. Very nice to meet you. Hello, Mrs. Madison. Very nice to meet you. For the amnesiac's sake, the women give no indication that they have ever met. How easy it is, Margot thinks, to slip into such a role. One humors the afflicted, if one hopes to shield them from distress. And how easy, as a strategy for one's life, to humor others. Margot is not ever sure that she is not in some unexamined way, humoring herself as well. Mrs. Madison is a woman of some presence. Margot has seen that at once. She is the younger sister of Eli's now-deceased father, Byron Hoops, of whom Margot knows only that Byron Hoops was a highly successful businessman and a supporter of such conservative politicians as Taft, Dewey, Goldwater, and Nixon. He'd like to tease and infuriate his activist son, Mrs. Madison said, by reminding him that the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican and not a Democrat. Is this true? Margot herself is surprised. Poor Eli. Lucinda Madison is in her late fifties, perhaps not old, though old-seeming, and thin in the way of someone who has lost weight recently, whose skin is slightly loose, flaccid. Her face is powdered, her cheeks discreetly rouged, her thinning blonde hair has been brushed back and fastened at the nape of her neck with a tortoise-shell comb. She speaks in a way Margot can't help but associate, perhaps unfairly, with wealth. A hoarse, husky, whispery voice, to which Margot must stoop, like a servant, to hear. From a remark of Eli's, Margot has gathered that his aunt had married a very wealthy older man when she'd been quite young. She has the petulant air of a faded beauty. Even on a weekday evening at home, she wears expensive-looking clothes, dresses with long skirts, cashmere sweater sets, fine woolen trousers in cool weather, linen in warm weather, that fit her loosely. She never fails to invite Margot to stay for tea, as if tea were a custom in the household, and not rather a makeshift snack meal, 
precipitated by a stranger's arrival. Each time, Lucinda Madison tries to coax E.H. into having tea with them. He lingers in the drawing room for only a few minutes before muttering, Well, sorry, with an apologetic grin and slipping away. Lanky, long-legged on the stairs like a teenager escaping his elders, Margot wonders if, at such moments, E.H. has forgotten that he is supposed to be 37 years old. She supposes that, once E.H. is alone, he looks through his sketchbook and the little notebook he keeps in his pocket to see what he has recorded that day, to see what has happened to him and around him that day. Margot, too, is not always certain what has happened to her and around her until she checks her logbook for the day. Often she is surprised. Sometimes she is touched. The rapport she feels with Eli Hoops seems to deepen.